there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's pretty crazy because so much has gone on through the first four weeks of the season. It kind of feels like, holy cow, the season's been going on forever, but it hasn't. We're only a third of the way through. We still have, you know, what, like seven, eight games of Big Ten play. And um, so we're... 0-1 in Big Ten play, and the top team is 1-0. And so we have all, all our goals out there in front of us. That's one thing Coach Joseph has been uh, preaching. Um, I think we have to reset, and we have this mentality of wanting to go 1-0 each game. Because one thing is you can't get too focused on the big goal, like, oh, we want to go to Indianapolis. Well, yeah, but you have to be focused on going 1-0 each week in order to get to Indianapolis. And I think that's one thing that he's done a really good job of is our focus this week is playing Indiana and beating Indiana. And whatever happens next, happens next. That was Nebraska punter Brian Buschini talking about the consciously small approach the Huskers need to take to the remaining eight games on the schedule. Ah, uh, punters. Always some of the best people to talk to on a football team. Insightful. I've started calling Bushini a punting scientist. He's serious about the craft. In fall camp, he talked about how he aims for the valve stem on the football. That's detail-focused. This week, he uncorked a discourse on punting stats and the landscape of punting in the Big Ten. So, it wasn't a total surprise to hear him boil down the remaining two-thirds of the season with such clarity. Yes, there is still two-thirds of the season left. Yes, Nebraska is technically only one game out of first place in the division. That said, the power ratings aren't predicting an easy road ahead for the Huskers. FPI and SP+, ESPN's cohabitating set of rankings, have Nebraska's expected win total at around 3.3 for 2022. And that includes the one game Nebraska's already won. This Indiana game, based on this week's ratings, which do change each week, is the last one in which FPI or SP Plus have the Huskers as a favorite. As of this recording, both would make Nebraska a slight underdog at Rutgers next week on Friday. And Illinois is the only remaining game after that where Nebraska's less than a field goal dog. That's all based on what Nebraska and the rest of the Big Ten has done to this point. But, as Machini mentioned, Saturday's another opportunity to show something new. Do that, and those odds will change. Nebraska still controls how the rest of this season goes. Don't punt on it yet. Bushini isn't. Though he will keep punting, and that's a good thing. It's one of Nebraska's strengths so far in 2022. You're listening to the I-80 Preview Podcast, Huskers Hoosiers Edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. Welcome back from your bye week. Hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the opportunity to just sit back and watch some football, but now it's back to work. Kick off the first half here with a look at the opening line on this Indiana-Nebraska game. Uh, 6.30 p.m. Central Time kick on Big Ten Network. On Sunday afternoon, Circus Sports opened this game with the Huskers as a two-point favorite. 
by Sunday evening when some other books had put their lines out, it was up to three and a half in favor of Nebraska. And the midweek line had the Huskers growing still as a favorite. The line was up to 5.5. That covers both extremes of where those ESPN power ratings I was talking about a little bit earlier would put this game. SP Plus rates Nebraska 69th coming into this week, Indiana 83rd. Do the math with ratings, add in two and a half points for home field advantage, and SP Plus gives the Huskers a 5.6 point edge, basically where the line was at midweek. FPI, however, is closer to where the line started. It has Nebraska ranked 77th this week, Indiana 75th, and the, the ratings there would project Nebraska as 1.9 points better than the Hoosiers on their home field. It's basically the difference there. Indiana rated a little bit higher, uh, would be a favorite, a tiny favorite on a neutral field, but figuring about two and a half points for playing at Memorial Stadium, Nebraska comes out the other end as a slight favorite. So right there with where the line started, where it was at at the time of recording, and that tends to be how these go. The records may be reciprocal here. Indiana's three and one, Nebraska's one and three. But these two ratings don't see much to separate the Hoosiers and Huskers. We'll move on into the key players to watch this week. Indiana's got a handful of guys, particularly on defense, that that I like quite a bit. Um, I just enjoy watching them play as a fan of the sport itself. And one of those is cornerback Taiwan Mullen. Been there a while now. Uh, he's one of the best corners in the Big Ten. Had huge NFL potential entering 2021 and still does, uh, but got injured early last year. Missed basically the entire season. Opted to come back for one more year in Bloomington. He just plays hard. He's a ton of fun to watch. He's fourth on the team in tackles as a cornerback. Also has a pass breakup, force fumble, and interception through four games on the year. If there's a play being made by Indiana's defense, more often than not, Mullen is in there. Number two for the Hoosiers, uh, outside linebacker Desan McCullough. Technically, is an outside linebacker, but he plays what Indiana calls their bull position, which is basically their their hybrid type of defender. It's the highest rated prospect Indiana has ever landed, and he's proving the lofty ratings right. The true freshman has three and a half tackles for loss through four games. Three of those were sacks, which leads the team. He has nine total QB pressures, which is fifth among true freshmen nationally. He's number zero. He'll be hard to miss. And while I'm tempted to stick on defense, because there's another player that I really like for Indiana, uh, in the interest of balance, I will go towards the offense for a second. Uh, Wide receiver Cam Camper. Offense overall hasn't been the Hoosier's strength so far. But odds are good Nebraska will see a good dose of Camper on Saturday. He's had two games this season with 10-plus receptions and 100-plus yards. Last week against Cincinnati, a loss. Indiana threw the ball 66 times. More on that in the second half. For Nebraska this week, we'll go a little bit underground. I think we all know the key names, uh, key players who have to play, play well for the Huskers to start getting some of the results that they want. Uh, but Mickey Joseph during last week's bye week 
alluded to the potential for some depth chart shakeups, some changes, some young guys getting a longer look than maybe they had through the first four games. And based on the depth chart that came out this week, that that has happened. Um, we do have some some a couple of new names. And I'm going to stick with those for the three key players for Nebraska this week. Number one, a fairly familiar name, uh, running back Gabe Irvin. He moved up to number two at running back after A.J. Allen was lost for the season uh, with an injury against Oklahoma. But I think a lot of people, myself included, came away from that Oklahoma game thinking, well, maybe it's time to see more Irvin anyway. He ran hard against the Sooners in the second half, uh, and he drew praise from, from Coach Joseph this week for his approach, his professionalism, I guess, for, for lack of a better word through what you know could have been a tough four games for him he was a player last year in 2021 who took the lead at the spot for nebraska as a true freshman got injured missed the remaining eight games um but not not having seen a ton of anthony grant at this level and having seen none of allen at this level i know i kind of came into the season thinking well nothing would surprise me at running back so i'll go with the guy who was the best at the spot a year ago. And Irvin showed enough to me uh, against Oklahoma and just hearing the way coaches and teammates talk about him that I'm, I'm excited to see him get more usage than he probably has through the first four games this season. So that's number one on my list. Number two, uh, may not see as much of, but equally intriguing, true freshman cornerback Malcolm Hartzog moved up to number two at the position behind Tommy Hill. He Hartzog was one of my favorite players in, in the 22 class. I thought Nebraska maybe got a little bit of a steal there. He was kind of a, a late addition there. Uh, Eric Shenander, former defensive coordinator, was down there talking to, to high school coaches in Mississippi, and more than a handful of them said, hey, you need to be looking at this guy. And that's how, that's how the Huskers landed Hartzog. He's appeared in all four games, uh, here at the start of his career on special teams, which, uh, longtime listeners of the show will know. I always kind of love as an indicator for, for true freshmen. That was basically Marcus Buford last year, a guy who was clearly good enough to, you had to have him on the field. And it happened to be that the way he got on the field most first is pretty common. It was on special teams. Hartzog's going to get a look here. Um, we'll see how much he actually plays, but I'll be very intrigued when he's in the game. Third, uh, another familiar name, but in a new spot on the on the depth chart. Ethan Piper was was atop the chart this week at left guard. Kevin Williams uh, is out two to three weeks, according to Coach Joseph, and that opened opened uh, opened the door, I guess, for for Piper. At that spot, of course, Turner Corcoran, who had been there over the previous three games, slid back out to left tackle, his old position following the season-ending injury to, to Teddy Prohaska. So some shuffling on the Nebraska O-line. Realistically, I could mention someone on the O-line each week until Nebraska gets more consistent play up front. It's Piper this week because, well, He's gonna get a he's gonna get a chance to start, but the broader picture here is Nebraska just needs it needs more up front. It better be ready 
to protect the passer in this game. Sacks are down across college football. It's one of the early interesting trends from this 2022 season. But at two and a half sacks per game, the Hoosiers rank 36th. They're 6.5 tackles for loss per game, rank 33rd. That's obviously not exclusively the passing game, but that's a key point as well because the Hoosiers' run defense is is really their best foot forward after the four games this year. But more on that after a quick break. We'll go to halftime. Here's meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with the forecast for Saturday. You can follow Rusty on Twitter at HuskerWeather and check HailVarsity.com throughout the week for updates ahead of game day. Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hail Varsity. This is the IAD Preview Podcast Forecast. And we've got Indiana coming to town Saturday evening, kickoff at 6.30. So if you're going to be out and about during the day on Saturday, seriously a nice day. Uh, picked a good day to be out and about. Uh, tailgating plans look like they should be no problem whatsoever. If you're out there around noon, I think temperatures are going to be around 70 degrees, maybe the lower 70s. Plenty of sunshine, southeast wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour, so a little breezy. Uh, and that will last through the afternoon and then die off as we head through the evening hours. By about 3 o'clock in the, uh, in the afternoon, temperatures in the lower 80s. So above average, plenty of sunshine, lower 80s, uh, southeast wind 10 to 20 miles per hour. So still a summer feel to the atmosphere, even though it's going to be October 1st. And then as we head to kickoff around 6.30, middle and upper 70s for temperatures. Plenty of sunshine, southeast wind 5, 10, maybe 15 miles per hour. So that wind is dying down, sun is starting to set, we're starting to cool off. I think by about halftime, we'll be right around 70 degrees, the lower 70s, 70, maybe even the upper 60s in some spots, uh, mostly clear skies and a light southeast wind. And by the end of the game, around 10, 10.30, maybe as late as 11 o'clock, Temperatures in the lower 60s. If the game goes late, it could be in the upper 50s. So a little bit of a chill in the air with mostly clear skies and a light southeast breeze. So keep that in mind. We're going to start the day and have temperatures in the lower 80s. And by the end of the game, the upper 50s. So kind of one of those days where you need to be wearing just a, a little bit of everything. But uh, for more updates, you can always follow my social media pages. That's uh, Husker Weather on Facebook as well as Twitter for all Husker-related weather forecasts. Also, Rusty WX for anything Nebraska and Lincoln-related, and all the Hale Varsity channels and website. Go Big Red! We are on to the second half, where we get to talk and share some thoughts on the game itself. And I'll start with, with this one. Nebraska's offense might be legitimately good. It ranks 19th in success rate after four games, and 14th in explosive play percentage. If you can do the, those two things at a top 20 level, you should be pretty tough to beat. If the Huskers could play all-time offense, like back in the day, uh, out on the playground, Nebraska probably would be pretty tough to beat. But of course it can't. (laughs) And the Huskers' defense in those same categories ranks 123rd in success rate and 75th in explosive plays percentage allowed. The inverse there is, of course, also true. If you're not going to be good at those two things, efficiency and explosiveness, it's basically football. Uh, Well, I wouldn't say it's all of football, but let's call it at least 90%, maybe 95%. Uh, If you're not going to be good at those two things, you're going to struggle, Uh, such as the, the duality of the Nebraska thing here in 2022. Indiana 
it hovers around average in those two defensive categories, and it's decidedly below average in those categories on offense. That's the very basic tail of the tape here, I would say. Offense versus offense, advantage Nebraska. Defense versus defense, advantage Hoosiers. But we can get more detailed than that. How does Nebraska win this game? Here are the three keys I'll be keeping an eye on on Saturday. Key number one, can Nebraska win on the ground? Mentioned this in the first half, but the Hoosiers defense ranks 30th in success rate against the rush. Nebraska's offense ranks 13th nationally in rushing success rate. I really think this is where the game is won or lost on Saturday. Which team, both of which are pretty good in this particular matchup, gets the best of it? Nebraska's been a little bit up and down, even though the overall rush numbers look pretty good. Huskers averaged 5.7 yards per carry against North Dakota and Georgia Southern. But against the two P5 teams it's played, Northwestern and Oklahoma, it's only averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Indiana's strength is that linebacker, in addition to the freshman McCullough, who I mentioned earlier, uh, the other player who I like watching play football that I wanted to mention uh, is Cam Jones, three-time captain, linebacker, a tackling machine at the moment. He has 43 tackles through four games, like Taiwan Mullen. If there's a play being made defensively for Indiana, it's, it's harder to not see Jones than it is to see him. The Huskers, not the Huskers, the Hoosiers um, did allow 216 rushing yards to Illinois and then gave up that exact same total to Western Kentucky. Two three-point wins for Indiana. Last week, however, the Hoosiers limited Cincinnati to 1.3 yards per carry. That game turned into a pass fest, 106 combined attempts. Nebraska's passing game is probably strong enough on its own to win that way if it has to. The Huskers rank 35th in passing success rate. Indiana's defense ranks 109th in that category. So you could make the argument that, hey, go with the path of least resistance here. You've got a strong passing game. Indiana is stronger against the run than it is against the pass. Come out throwing and, and, and try to take advantage of that. And it's possible, it's possible that'll happen. Maybe Nebraska ends up in a shootout similar to Georgia Southern and comes out on top. I'll pause here so you can insert your own reaction to, to dredging up the, the game against the Eagles. Controlling the game, however, I think is more important for Nebraska at this moment. Mickey Joseph said post-Oklahoma that he probably, if he had it back, he'd slow things down a little bit for, for Nebraska offensively. It can go fast. Indiana's offense definitely wants to go fast. Um, but that game control has long been a piece that I think is is missing for the Huskers. And it, it's not any one thing. It's not controlling the clock, though that's part of it. It's first down efficiency. It's how how manageable are your third downs. All of that stuff kind of combines to, to, to just give it to you an edge. And you can see it when you're watching football games. It just feels like, oh, maybe this game's close. Maybe it's tied, whatever. Uh, but one team seems to consistently just be exerting pressure. If Nebraska is going to do that in this game, 
it, it's going to require, I think, consistent success on the ground. Total comfort for the Huskers on Saturday probably looks like something close to five yards per carry if you're wanting to monitor a number. And Nebraska, I think, has the potential to do that. Four and a half yards per carry, however, probably keep things mostly comfortable. So you could set your own number. I would put it somewhere between four and a half and five yards carry. If Nebraska's managing that against a top 30 run defense, uh, it's probably, at least it should be, in a, in a pretty good spot. Key number two, however, uh, <laughs> may have as much to do with how comfortable Nebraska is if it is able to run the ball like I think it needs to. Can this Husker defense reset after a week off and a change of coordinator. That's the play with with installing Bill Bush at that spot, right? He has his work cut out for him. Nebraska was not able to knock teams off schedule at all in its first four games. Huskers ranked 116th in rushing success rate and 123rd in passing. Overall, Nebraska's success rate this season defensively is about 50%. Which is, which is way too high. You're looking at an average of about 42%. So that's telling you that teams are on schedule, able to do what they want. They have an edge on over half the plays, which is, which is a lot. Um, like I said, average for success rate in any given year is usually in the low 40s. That's a normal football game. Um, the defense has a little bit of an edge almost on, on the majority of downs on, on average. Not at Nebraska in 2022 so far. If a defense like that can't take at least one of those things away, the run or the pass, it's, it's, it's too easy for, for an opposing offense, which maybe that's obvious, but it's too easy even for an offense like Indiana's. That doesn't blow you away statistically so far. The Hoosiers offense has been nearly as inefficient as Nebraska's defense has. If the first key we talked about here in the second half was strength on strength, a run game for Nebraska that looks pretty good at times versus a run defense for Indiana that looks pretty good at times. This key is weakness on weakness. Nebraska's defense versus a Indiana offense that hasn't seemed to totally figure itself out yet. Um, but we've seen what the Hoosiers have done through four games, and I think it's fair to expect a reasonably similar approach on Saturday to what Nebraska saw from Georgia Southern. The Hoosiers lead the country right now at 50.5 pass attempts per game. Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern is fourth at the moment, uh, 48 pass attempts per game. Indiana ranks 100, 125th in yards per attempt, just 5.8 yards per pass attempt. Georgia Southern ranks 99th, uh, almost a yard better at 6.7 see where this is going, right? This is a horizontal passing game from Indiana, an extension of the run game, as they always say. That means Nebraska is probably going to have to tackle well. One of the first problems Mickey Joseph brought up uh, upon being named interim head coach. And this type of game didn't play out well or didn't play out in the Huskers' favor last time. Can it this time? Assuming we get mostly a stalemate when Indiana has the ball, third downs might be the key difference. 
Hoosiers enter this game 31st nationally in third down conversion percentage at 47.2%. It's one of the stronger elements of an offense that, you know, doesn't have a ton of impressive numbers after four games. Nebraska's defense ranks 126th nationally, giving up a third down 52.5% of the time. Georgia Southern, Oklahoma, Nebraska's last two games, combined to go 19 for 29 on third down. That's 65.5%. Nebraska's faced the 24th most third downs per game this year at 15.3. It's a lot of chances to get off the field. It has to start getting off the field when given the opportunity. Keeping Indiana slightly below its season average here might be enough. So I'm going to set the number for this key at 45% third down conversions for Indiana's offense. It's not a high threshold. It would rank 113th nationally so far if that's what a defense averaged over the course of the season. But Nebraska's defense hasn't earned high thresholds yet. And that's okay, as the theme of this episode is just be a little bit better. And if you can do that, then you got a chance to do it again the following week. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep this number what I think is fairly manageable for Nebraska. That said, it's not something we've seen them do really over the season overall, but particularly the past two games. Third key is, is one that you can't put a number on. It's more just a idea of some of, the, of, some of all of these, these various tiny parts that make up a football game. But can Nebraska find a way? We're all well aware of Nebraska's history in close games under Scott, Scott Frost. 59% of Frost's 47 games were one-score games. Uh, games decided by eight points or less. Tom Allen's Indiana teams are also probably pretty comfortable in close games. 24 of his 62 career games as head coach, 39%. Have been decided by one score. Part of the reason Indiana is three and one, but in the bottom third nationally in most power rankings, is because it wasn't all that impressive in wins over Illinois and Western Kentucky. CollegeFootballData.com's postgame win probabilities, which are just a kind of it's it's a blind resume sort of approach. You just say, here are the stats from the game. How often does Team A win? How often does Team B win? And you see what it says. Uh, those numbers gave Indiana just a 10% chance of beating Illinois based on the numbers it put up against the Illini in the Hoosiers season opener. And it gave the Hoosiers an 18% chance of beating Western Kentucky, which it did in overtime. And that's sort of the point here. It may not have looked like Indiana was all that impressive. It may not have even looked like they deserved to win. But the Hoosiers did win both of those games. And it's, that's against two teams that look pretty solid right now. Illinois and Western Kentucky are both one improbable loss to Indiana away from being undefeated right now. Almost everything in this game, when you dive into the numbers, points to another close one. The Huskers have experienced a lot of change over the past three weeks. They're coming off an internally focused bye week. Indiana is playing its fifth straight game. The two teams are probably about equal. One, Indiana, has found a way to win two games it maybe shouldn't have this year. The past four seasons of Nebraska football, 
have been defined by doing the opposite. Some big things, of course, are different now for the Husker football program. We'll see if it makes a difference on Saturday. Thank you for listening to the I-80 preview. If you like the show, do your podcast chores, rate and review it, tell a friend. But the best way to support this show and everything we do at Hale Varsity is, of course, by becoming a subscriber. We opened the show with punter Brian Machini. Staff writer Brady Oltmans had a great story on HaleVarsity.com this week on Bushini. Definitely go check that out. We also had him for our Q&A in the September issue. Best way to make sure you don't miss any of those stories, whether in print, online, uh, etc., is by subscribing. You can visit HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, and listeners of the IED Preview can get a discount on their subscription with the promo code I-80 at checkout. Talk to you next week. A Huda Media Production.